Welcome to the Onassis Air Conversations. My name is Mirto Katsimicha. I'm a curator and cultural worker based in Athens and your host in this series of recorded encounters with the participants of Onassis Air. Founded on the principles of learning and doing with others, Onassis Air is an international research residency program in Athens initiated by the Onassis Foundation in 2019. They say that what happens in one place stays in that place. I cannot find a better way to describe all the things that have been happening inside the Onassis Air House since I first entered as a participant of the Critical Practices Program in fall 2019. The truth is, it is not easy to transmit an open-ended process of relationing which is very personal and relevant to a specific place and moment in time. How can I then give you a glimpse into that process? Everything starts with a conversation. Throughout this series, I'll be speaking with the Onassis Air participants to shed light on their artistic practices and needs, as well as to reflect on ways of being and working together. Today, I'm very happy to be speaking with Kate Giordano, an Onassis Air International Resident, 2019-20. Kate spent one month in Athens making objects and exploring parent-child relationships through the lens of classical sculpture and Greek myth. In this conversation, we discuss about the ways narration is used to create power structures, looking into their past projects as well as into the research that they conducted in Athens. For this conversation, we have also invited Xenia Vitos, a visual artist based in Athens, in order to expand on the notion of storytelling and world-making that they both share in their work. Kate, welcome to Palerum. Um, Kate, you are a visual artist based in New York. You shoot film, you make sculptures, and you perform in various states of cross-dress. Taking as a starting point the Greek myth, and more specifically the story of Zeus giving birth to Athena, the goddess of female virtue, your research delved into themes of power and masculinity, which are recurrent in your work. So I was wondering whether you could expand a bit on that, and by that I mean your uh, the way that the that classical antiquity and Greek myth um, are connected to your uh, research. Basically what I was working on about for the past year and a half before coming to Anathis was um, on three different projects. One of them was I had recreated the Roman baths in this skyscraper in Times Square. So I made, I had made myself, I don't know how else to, I, I call it my nude, my nude armor, my nude suit. I basically made a suit that, was a breastplate that kind of looked like this like armored, you know, like when you see from ancient Rome or ancient Greece, I did that, but it was like a male chest, like my flesh colored uh, chest and then um, a penis <laughs> I would wear. And then I created these senators that were kind of standing. Basically I was envisioning if I were this Roman patrician in a bathhouse in ancient Rome and I had this good fortune of being in this, uh, this fair called Spring Spring Break Art Show, which happens every year in New York, and they've been they're really awesome, and I've done a lot of work with them in the past. But they gave me this really awesome room, which was like this corner room in I think it was the twenty third floor of this skyscraper in Times Square. So I had this really perfect room where it was the performance was basically me posing with these other two sculptures that were these nude senators conspiring, and then um, I was sort of just posing there with 
my attire <laughs> or lack of attire. And so that kind of launched for me this sort of theme of working with the idea of autocracy in that particular piece, thinking about how uh, power is actually wielded and how, it's, how, how power is actually translated that, that of course, like deals were being made in these in, in the baths, the, the kind of back um, back channel of power. And I started working on this piece that's about um, that's about Waco, which was an armed standoff that happened between this cult leader named David Koresh and the FBI um, in 1993, and it ended up with this really horrific massacre. And you know, so I, I play this cult leader in in this video. Um, he had like multiple wives and. And to me, that was shifting this idea. Like the, the Rome piece was about power on this really epic scale. Like everyone knows the grandeur of Rome Empire, and I mean, and also its implications around the world, and it has all these connotations. And then the 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 Waco piece to me was more about how, on a small level, how someone could have that kind of control. The third piece was also also play Henry VIII, who also had multiple wives, and also. Um, uh, you know, obviously, kind of the infamous beheaded two of his wives, like was married, you know, multiple times. And I, I also play him, and I um, sort of embody, I embody, I embody him, and I also play multiple other characters in that piece. But anyway, the three of those things all to me tie into the sense of sort of processing what it's what it is to wield power and the the toxicity of it, the hyper masculine sides of it and sort of just the psychology of it. I haven't quite resolved all these things, but I, I feel like in these three pieces, I'm sort of working through that and just thinking about it and sitting with it and also embodying these kind of horrible people, <laughs> like, you know, like taking on these attributes of being this, these men in particular that are just, that have this urge to control and dominate and how the, I also think it's thinking about how it manifests just in general and in society and in art and in culture. And so, yeah, that was what I was working on before I came to Nassar. My research project played into this in a lot of obvious ways. I feel like Zeus takes it to this more um, thinking about Greek gods and how in a lot of ways that lore plays into the foundation of these power structures, how Zeus is just represented as this, as this sort of ultimate autocrat, but also he's, a god and is is a myth and is not really real but it was interesting to me that he sort of took on this hyper um feminine virtue of childbirth even though the context of it was you know kind of violent about how he gave her to athena like through his head and also there's another myth where he incubates a fetus in his thigh um which i didn't really tap into um in my research on Onassis, but yeah i was interested in this hyper masculine god that was zeus and how he was sort of in a lot of ways, the foundation of not, I don't know the foundation, but like a very, a very early example of how this kind of power is wielded, but it wasn't, it wasn't really an actual person, but it was a person that, a, a, like a, like a religious figure, I guess, at the time that impacted the psychology of, of pretty much all of Western history. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking exactly uh, through your, through what you said so far, the, um, the, the layer of the narrative structure, because the myth is a narration, is a story, and uh, in your other works, you approached some more, let's say, real-based uh, yeah. um, uh, examples of, of people and leaders, while um, with, in the case of Zeus, uh, it's also how uh, power is constructed through the, through the narration. 
Yeah. And also, it's interesting to me thinking about Zeus, who was, uh, you know, a, a, a person whose inception was through myth, but how in in reality, like when I play Henry VIII, like I'm I'm using that as a launching point in creating a myth in another way. Like I'm basically taking these historical figures and I'm I'm loosely basing it on that, but I'm not not holding myself to an actual literal interpretation of of what happened. And I I think that's also the case. That's I'm not the only person that that does that. I mean, pretty much any any uh, book uh, movie any anything that represents a historical thing that happened, there's going to be mythology. It's going to be mythologized in a lot of ways. But it's taking something actual where you weren't there, you have no experience of it personally and you're basically taking your you're basically putting your own experiences into it and so i feel like we create myths out of people that were real but i think ultimately like the source of my research for all of these things and all the, anything that i've ever made is is through like a tact is, is by making stuff and mm-hmm. sort of figuring out how form plays into it and then later on i might add in character and add in video but the the root of my research is is through making and through um, making objects That takes me to the next question that's about uh, exactly this, I mean, your creative process. Because um, I, during your research, uh, I mean, the research took the form of you making a lot of objects in the space. You know, I think when I got to Onassis, um, my, my first move was to buy a sewing machine and I, was, <laughs> I remember like every, that. <laughs> yeah, everyone's desk was like a computer and some stuff. And then mine was immediately like, just the explosion of fabric and, and, all the, and all these things. I just started sewing stuff, you know, and thinking about the, the research project that I proposed. At first, I felt like I really wanted to rebel against the research project. But objects I started making were, like, hyper-feminine. Like, I made this sculpture that was basically, like, this boob udder. <laughs> There were some huge boobs going around. Yeah, so, but I also was tying that into the idea of birth. So I, I kind of just took it and stretched the subject to a lot of different areas. I just kind of let myself go. That felt really uh, great because it, it was it was a really awesome to have that kind of like dedicated time to just think and to just take things and stretch where they, to kind of actually explore this thing, like even if it wasn't a liter- literally exactly what I had said, but it was in my proposal, but it was definitely related to it. And I feel like I had the space to kind of just like take that and um, and run with it and not have not have a deadline or not have anyone, you know, there wasn't anyone like breathing over your shoulder being like, that, what are you doing making that utter, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Going back to to your works and your films, because your works often take the form of films, but um, I feel that there is a strong performative and also scul- sculptural element um, that... Uh, cannot be separated from the film as a as the medium that you choose sometimes to work with. And it seems to me that you're creating, you're constructing worlds uh, that seem to represent real and everyday characters. And I was wondering if you could expand a, a bit more on that and how the characters are related to the space that you construct. I think to me there's no... Um Like the the characters couldn't exist without the objects, at, in a lot of ways. And so, and I don't. It's not. I don't work in a way where I make the objects and then I film. I I like make an object, film with it, mm, go back to that thing. Maybe don't even use that scene. <laughs> go back to another thing. Make it. Mm. So I have this really back and forth way of working. That um, I think sometimes when you see my films, in particular, 
I have a, a video that's the, the after the fire is gone, where I play the Dolly Presley character. In a lot of ways, the characters are just people that they're kind of archetypes that we see in video and we see in um, popular culture, etc. Thinking about like after the fire is gone, which was the piece that I worked on for years, literally before I started shifting gears with the room project, etc. But I mean, she's really just a pretty normal person. I mean, she she works. She's married to this insurance salesman, you know. But I think what makes her what makes it absurd or what makes it what makes it a detachment from reality in a lot of ways is that she's yeah that there's a very clear separation between her internalness which is sort of denoted by when the sculptures come into play and from the scenes without the sculptures and, and also when when she's interacting with the sculpture it, it it creates a weird psychological space because she's doing something completely normal or normal for her or whatever but she's doing it to something that can't respond or emote or or you know or have any kind of response to her so yeah I think I think the the everydayness of the characters is offset in a lot of ways by the sculptures uh since you you also brought this up um I wanted to to ask you about your relationship with these characters because as you said um a lot of times you are taking on these roles and you perform yourself yeah um I I feel as though it's like I, I have no interest in these characters existing unless I play them for some reason. Um, I mean, I think when, you, when you're in your movies and you play m- multiple characters in your movies, there's this element of control in that where it's like I control this character and I control this character. And in a lot of ways, you realize that they're all sort of an extension. That, though you can watch the movie and you actually do, I think, read them as separate characters, like you kind of forget that I'm playing multiple roles in the films. but I think at a certain point it's yeah you're really just watching you're you're watching me and you're basically watching my interpretations of these people but you're also you're it's also to me I think about it in terms of like well whose perspective is it like who which character's perspective is it ultimately is it you, you know so I think it calls into question about why I do why it's important that I play other characters like what what is that what is that doing what is that doing and like why is it important and what what is that saying about the psychology of the piece? But I don't also have all the answers to that. I just, you know, I just I just do it because I feel like I need to. In the case of the fire is gone, uh, yeah. If I'm if I'm correct, uh, it was both a film and an installation, right? Yeah. So it's a it's a single channel piece, which I think you saw at Anasis. Uh, so it's a single channel piece. That's just a, a movie you can watch it. And then also it's um it's an installation. It what well, the installation was purchased by the Margulies Margulies collection in Miami. So it's, it's has a nice home, has a great home. When I got that show for the, for After the Fire is Gone, I had never really done, I had done installations where I was performing. For me, it was still like, okay, these objects serve the purpose of this video, you know? And um, because I was still, I was performing with them. And so, but then that shifted my thinking about it because it was, when I got when I knew that I was showing it as an installation that I had never I had never done that and that was really hard for me to wrap my head around. Then I went back into this I went back into those scenes so the scenes that you that you saw with with the sculptures. I went back into those scenes and I remade all the sculptures or most of them. I, I went back into the diner scene. I basically remade all the food. You know, so it was like and and, and it, it was like treating the object seriously. And I think it took me a long time just in my practice to like understand 
that um, that the objects were also something to be shown. And um, so now I feel like in a lot of ways, like I make a lot more sculpture and um, I, I, I am invested in them as sculpture. As sculpture. What are you going to do with the objects that you made here? I, I don't know. I don't know for sure, but I, I definitely think that it's, it was sort of going to be a launching point for some other, for some other ideas that I just haven't quite had the time to explore yet. Um, so before bringing Xenia into our discussion, I just wanted to ask a, a last question about, you know, now that you're back in, in New York, uh, I was wondering, uh, I mean, you must be reflecting on what happened while you were here. So I was wondering how uh, did your ideas develop during your stay here and how do you see them now forming? Well, I, at first thought that the, the research project that I was doing was going to be kind of an extension of of the things I was already working on in a lot of ways. It was like, okay, I'm like using this hyper-masculine, I'm, I'm working on these things that have to deal with like power and autocracy and whatever. Like I'm taking like this idea of this Greek god, Zeus, who's like the ultimate like autocrat. But then when I started making these sort of feminine objects, like the udders and like these things, what really uh, I started reflecting on was just, just the relationship in general between like child and parent, between um, father and daughter, between just, just between parent-child relationships. What it actually kind of uh, brought up in me was just the idea of, of how to explore the relation, like a parent-child relationship and how that's the sort of the foundation for all of the things that you do. And yeah, and then thinking about like the, the thing that I proposed, like the, the Athena's Zeus dynamic where she was born like fully formed with battle armor from his forehead. I mean, there's actually a lot of symbolism in that story about the dynamics again between children and their parents and and I and so I actually took it in a totally different direction in my mind it became much gentler or it became for me it became much more of a gentle subject matter or like much more of a vulnerable subject matter in a lot of ways and in a way that I hadn't expected from the perspective of the parent of the role of the parent role let's say to me it was less about the parent but more about the child and the child's, the complex relationship that that is, and like how it's something that I think is at the foundation of of just all the other things I had been working on anyway, <laughs> in a lot of ways. I mean, and it was great, it was great to have the space to like think about it and to, and to have the flexibility from Onassis um, and to, for it to develop into that. So I'm going to bring Xenia in. I'm bringing all of us together <laughs> under this uh, conversation because basically I think that um, it's always, you know, useful to have another perspective on one's, one person's work. And also I realized that you two really connected with each other. So uh, let me just, I, I, I want to, I just want to say, um, while this is being recorded, that Xenia is one of my very favorite artists. <laughs> of all, I mean, it's true. There's definitely things about our practices and our work that I think are very overlapping, but um, we also, there's, there's a lot of things that separate and bring us together in terms of our work, but like just in general, I think Zay is a fantastic artist and I, I have a lot of admiration for, for mm -hmm. your work and I'm really happy that you're able to join us for this conversation. And uh, the fact that um, that strike, strikes me is that this theatricality in both of your works and in your staged work and exhibition that uh, I've attended, yeah. the box, 
in the, yeah. the room, yeah. is that uh, despite the theatricality, you know, it, it's something real. It's not fake. The artifice becomes a starting point for uh, another kind of story. I think it's a decoration upon a truth and it's taking it in different sort of magnificent or fantastical tangents for both of us. I mean, those works were very much very personal with real people sort of and real stories, whereas Kate takes herself through, un, uh, well, also real characters, but not direct real characters in her life. But it's it's that exaggeration and decoration upon upon ourselves, I think. And for your work, I think with just, especially with the show where it's like, I think I'll stay in bed, thank you very much. There's a real sense of the banal and you take that as a launching point and you, you turn it into something that's kind of fantasy, but it's actually not, it's yeah. actually not fantasy at all. It's and true. like in the other show too, I mean, you had two shows up when I was in Athens and the first show in a lot of ways, like where you just took, when you take, when you take objects that, not even objects, you, you take, you take things sometimes that are just things that were already there. Like when you took, was it your mother's um, dressing gown or my grandmother's dressing, your grandmother's dressing gown and you kind of like cut out the boobs and like did this thing. It's like being able to alter something that already was a thing and to, and to do it in this way. That's like, that's pretty crit critical. Like I, the way I read it, it's like very yeah. critical, but it's, it's also like humoristic. And it's also funny, but it, it to me, you, you, you're able to kind of tap into this sense of um of like not I wouldn't just say boredom but I feel like it's it's like this sense of entrapment you're talking about things that you were like expected to do or like yeah. the expectation or, or like the, the sort of the crushing expectations of like what was expected of you and not just you I think like people and like and specifically I think with women yeah and the idea of like child of like nurturing and like child rearing and like the way that you sort of talk about those things in the objects that you're making is pretty is pretty like palpable to me. You do it in this way that is very, um, it feels very like natural. Like it just feels like you just decided to like cut the boobs out of this dressing gown and then that, but it's like, there's nothing forced about it. It's just a connection yeah. with your objects that you make. That's another link that we have is I think that in the process of hand making stuff as well, it's like another form of escapism. Yeah, I love doing that. Like I, there's nothing, I like sitting in my studio with like some wire and stuff and just, just, you know, it's very meditative to me. Exactly. Like that's, I, I think that's how I really actually think. I feel like I think in that way, like, it's not like oh, as well, like not think, but I think there's a lot of, I, I feel like you're, you're thinking, I think, I think you also do this from what we've talked about. Like there's, there's a lot of thinking that goes on when you're just doing something with your hands. And I think some people like me, and I think like you, it's like, that's how we fit. Like, that's how we get things to the service is by this physical act of, um, making object, making stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. There's like a synapsis of like yeah. material thought and then, you know, the development of everything because it gives you the appropriate time as well. I also think it unlocks certain things in your subconscious that you're not aware of. And like, to me, it's like, I do my best thinking if I'm like hot gluing cardboard on it, other pieces of cardboard. Or, I, it's just like, I don't know how to explain it, but like, this is really how I get ideas. You both kind of... Um, you approach this sim very similar issues and you try to subvert them, but in a very different way. Because what uh, we were talking before about the roughness, in your case, everything is so uh, meticulously made and constructed. Well, it's not really. Yeah. It looks it, though. With Xenia's work, I feel like 
I feel like Xenia is like fearless in what, sh- in what you make, you know? And like, yeah, there's a real care and, and um, there's like a, there's like, there's like a lot of feminine qualities in a lot of ways to like how, like, like stereotypical, like feminine qualities, like how you go about constructing something, but then you'll like, you, you'll make like a phallus. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I guess that's where the difference is. Yours is like kind of roughly put together. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, feel like what I appreciate about your work is that you just, it's just like, you're not, you're un- you're not trying to cloak stuff and not that there's like complexity to that and like the way that you make stuff but I just think there's a certain like there's a bravado I guess I'm trying to say there's like a there's a bravado to your work that's like and, and you and you don't apologize there's no apology for it I don't think I'm aware that there's supposed to be at the point I'm in it maybe when yeah. you at the end you realize shit this mate here actually this is which is yeah. about handiwork is you get so lost in the making that you also don't know the results until the end and maybe then you're like holy shit did I go down that road yeah and also for me it's like I, I just feel so vulnerable in general whenever the my work show like I, I, like I have a hard time even watching my work if other people are there it's like you're just like oh god like there I am in particular with a room piece for me it was like oh I'm totally you can see all of me you know like I'm, I'm like in this sky like it's you know, like like there's people here and there's people taking pictures here and I'm like completely naked and it's like (laughs) like what the fuck am I doing like who does that like it's just a little bit like embarrassing like to me like it's not like I don't feel these things like I do feel as well I'm kind of embarrassed as well about the things touched or put into the work (laughs) and it's like okay well and then and then at a certain point I'm just like whatever but yeah I mean it's not like I don't feel I do feel a sense of like exposure or like I do feel a sense of being yes we like that okay (laughs) (laughs) okay well um I think uh we had a very nice conversation no I miss you (laughs) I miss you guys yeah well I'm glad that you asked me to do this it was fun I'm glad that you also invited Zenia yeah me Um, too (laughs) It was really nice to see you. Thank you, Kate. Thank you. Thank you. See you soon. We'll speak again. Yes. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you want to listen to more conversations, please subscribe to our channel. You can find more about the Unnecessary Residency Program and each participant at www.onasis.org. This series is produced by Onassisair. Thanks to Nikos Kolias, the sound designer of the series, and to Nikos Liberis for providing the original music intro theme.